Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information, it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Welcome to another episode of the WA Property Q&A podcast. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and with me today is David Minot. David is a builder. He's a top guy and he runs a company called Second Dawn Construction. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me, Peter. Yeah, I'm a sustainable home builder here in Perth. Excellent. And uh, in today's, today's episode, what I want to explore is, Dave, as he's just said, you're into sustainable homes. And what I see a lot in real estate is people rushing through the front door of the home the home open and going straight into the kitchen and checking out the stainless steel appliances and the stone bench tops, falling in love and buying a home that is very possibly very energy inefficient. So I want to talk about benefits of looking at sustainable homes mm. and what to look for and what sort of things would go into a construction of a sustainable home. Mm. Yeah. Where do we start, Dave? Well, let's start with what you just said, home opens and people going and buying a home, whether it's their first home or second, third, and probably just the lack of awareness around what makes a good home versus just your standard sort of what's in, in stock out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that was looking at a home, going through a home open, what are some of the key factors that you would say, like if you were holding my hand at a home open saying, okay, Pete, we're going to go and find a sustainable home or or an energy efficient home. What are some of the things that you'd be looking for? Sure. Great question. Firstly, you're going to struggle finding anything that's very energy efficient here in Perth. Again, mainly because most homes are a double brick, single glaze, tiled roof home. So already we're on the back foot when it comes to like an energy efficient home. However, you know, you can sort of then I guess, combat that with the the appliances that are going to be available potentially in that home. So things like solar, if there's at least some uh, some solar on the roof, then that you're going to at least be able to produce your own energy. And like those homes are going to create a lot of energy requirements to be able to keep that house cool. So that's that's kind of the the problem there that with that type of home, your heating and cooling bills, it's all done mechanically through your air conditioning mm-hmm. to try and heat and cool that home. So at least you got some solar that's going to be able to help offset some of that energy requirement. So you're talking solar panels on the roof? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Solar panels. Um, it'll be pretty rare for you to find like a battery set up with that. But if, you, if there was a solar and battery, then that's going to be an extra plus. Other things are like appliances. So maybe looking for a heat pump. That's your hot water unit and uh talk to me about heat pumps because this is something that i learned only about 12 months ago yeah and uh and and these it's a thing apparently so talk to me about yeah sure heat pumps so they kind of work 
on two principles. So one is kind of like got a coil that's wrapped around a holding tank and that this is for your hot water system. Yeah, that's right. And then sort of like refrigerants like works on gases and, and heats up a coil around around the bottle, which then heats up your water. But also works on like convection air. So it then helps like you have like airflow going through the unit. So that's sort of what's helping power the actual coil heating up. So they're really energy efficient. And I think we use the iStore heat pumps and I think they've got a stat where it's, it costs you about $42 a year to run for your hot water. A key giveaway is if you go to Home Open, you see sort of an instantaneous hot water unit on the outside wall, or if it looks like it's, you know, anything over 20 years old in terms of like a, a, a big storage hot water unit, then it won't be a heat pump. So yeah, they are great. So I'm just going to interrupt you because back in the, the day, I, you know, when I was selling real estate, I recall saying to people that instant gas hot water systems were the best because they never ran out and yeah. they were pretty efficient and yeah. time they were the, the sort of the, the gold standard. But now they're pretty much the worst or well, <laughs> getting close to the worst. Well, again, one of the key th- things we're talking about there is it's, it's gas. And so with all our homes, we're moving away from gas. We have no gas appliances because, again, when we're talking about sustainability, we're trying to move away from fossil fuels. So that's the only issue I have with it is that they are still using gas. They are still a good unit for being like, you know, heating up hot water in your home. But look, it's not something you're going to find on a second dawn home now. So we're talking... We've got solar panels on the roof, mm. which is powering the hot water system. Oh, if you had so, that, so then the, you'd have zero, it'd cost you zero dollars to run your hot water every year if you had that combo. Mm. Okay. So that, there's a good start. So what else are we talking in terms of, you know, features of a home? What about north facing? Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, again, Perth or pretty much any city, you're going to have blocks facing every which way. And you're also going to have people who have designed homes without taking north as a consideration. So what we sort of rule of thumb is you live in the north, you sleep in the south. Live in the north yep. and sleep in the south. Yep, yep. So that's just got to do with sun orientation and stuff like that. But look, it's a classic sort of if you've got north facing, that's where you want most of your glazing. Here in Perth, we've got the solar sort of comes and hit any glazing during during winter mm-hmm. on that north axis and then sort of during summer it's almost sort of straight over with a slight south but yeah so that that's kind of what they talk about north facing whereas like if you're in the northern hemisphere it's it's all about south facing so dave i'm a massive fan of of sustainable homes one of the reasons is because you know, what you've just described is those north facing windows where the the sun is coming in through that beautiful north facing yeah. window I don't think there's anything more luxurious in a home to have that natural sunlight coming in through the mm. window, yep. giving the room some natural warmth. Mm. I just think, I know I've got a patio that faces north and I regularly go out there and, and have a nap in the sun. So <laughs> it's just luxurious. Yeah, nice. We're sort of almost touching on like passive homes now, which is uh, talking about using natural elements to heat and cool our homes. And that's, that's a big part of passive design is obviously having north face glazing because that's going to capture that, 
that winter sun and help heat up your home naturally and yeah, providing natural light and stuff like that. So yeah, passive design is a big part of what we do as well, because that's just as important as having sort of your sustainable materials as well as sustainable sort of features in construction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what else would someone be looking for at a home open or what questions could they ask a real estate agent that might surf? Yeah. Again, Anything you're going to go in Perth, you're going to have to just look for what kind of appliances they have and the energy ratings that they're able to provide. Something that I would be asking a real estate agent is what what is the energy rating of this home? <laughs> yeah, because that will, yeah, well, I know good luck on that, but if you ran an, an actual energy assessment and it came back, you know, two or four star, you really know kind of okay this is the that's the standard of this home you know we're building an eight star that's the difference like you know you got very nice comfortable passive home versus you know very low graded you got to be cranking the air con cranking the heaters your, your, your typical 70s or 80s home so yeah exactly even through to the the early 2000s i imagine yeah would be like 70s and 80s homes would be Two star, maybe? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm. I mean, if you have any friends that are Europeans and they come and they, one of the things that they always say about Perth homes is how cold they are. Mm -hmm. And coming from their climate, I feel like that's saying something. Mm. Like, <laughs> and so that's something that I would ask of the real estate agent coming into a home open because you're not just buying a home, like, you know, you're buying all of its baggage as well, right? If it's an older existing home. So if you know it's sitting around two to four star, well, our minimum standards at the moment six and going into next year, they're requiring seven star. So that means you're like way behind what we're building at the moment. So that might just sort of indicate that in the future, there could be a need for doing a renovation to kind of get that home back up to sort of like a good energy rating specification. They're talking about renovations. As I understand it, it's reasonably easy to get, well, not reasonably easy, but you could get to six stars reasonably easy. Seven and eight is quite difficult, but you can get there. Yeah. But to go from a two star to a six yeah. in a renovation, what I understand is really expensive. Yeah. And it would be, especially given how much like construction costs are at the moment. You know, I was thinking about it on the way here and throwing out a challenge to all those baby boomers out there who would have... Oh, you're talking to one. <laughs> who would have built these homes in the 80s, you know, between, say, 78 to the 90s, mm -hmm. and, you know, who would have been paying sort of around $85,000 for a house and land package back then. So right now, they'll be mortgage-free, but also... You got to remember they built to what they knew then, but now, okay, they built that stock. Mm -hmm. I think it, it would be great to start seeing that generation then also go, okay, let's also take responsibility for that and let's get our homes back up to standard for today's living for the next generation so that when why they're would some, Why would someone do that, Dave? As aside to, from, to, from sort of this, this vague notion that we're leaving the world a better place and yeah. you know, there's, there's an argument for that, mm. I, I get that. Aside from that, what's the use case? What, what is the, you know, what's the compelling argument for someone to do that? Yeah, well, again, two things. 
One is going to be, I think it's very important to be leaving this place in a better state than the way we found it. I think that's actually really crucial to sort of humanity and prolonging our existence, which is kind of really how I got into sustainable building in the first place. But again, look, if you're thinking about moving into retirement and stuff like that, well, you're going to have to really start watching how much you're spending, right? Because you're retirement. So if you can be able to reduce how many outgoings you've got monthly on energy bills and stuff like that, because you've, your home's actually more efficient, well, to me, I think that's a, that's a massive win. There'll be people listening to this podcast, David, that, that will go, all right, young fella, good on you. You know, like that's the way baby boomers talk. <laughs> I'm well practiced. At nice. You know, all right, young fella, all well and good for you to talk about this stuff, mm. but I'm... You want me to spend, let's just pick a number, 50 grand. Try about 200. Okay, 200,000 to save 50 bucks a week on my energy. Mm. And, and then they do the numbers and then they go, it just doesn't pay. Fair enough. What would you say to people that, with that argument? Well, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say much to that because everyone's you know, entitled to sort of how they want to view, view that, those circumstances. Like I said, it's more a challenge than it is maybe what financially adds up because, again, it's going you're potentially in a position where you're able to upgrade, upgrade that house and also have good end of life as well, right? It's going to be comfortable. But, again, it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's interesting because if not, not that generation, then we're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, we've got to do something about this. And, again, going into Europe, there's, there's lots of incentives to be – like they've got homes there that are built in the 1800s, right? So they, they, they were much, much before ours, but there's lots of incentives about doing upgrades and stuff on those homes. So I guess if it's not, up to, if it's not that generation, it's, it's potentially maybe up to government to try and help incentivize the, like increasing those, those energy efficiencies in the existing stock. I'm going to pick up on something you just said, mm. and that is comfort. Now, the homes that you're building, everything that you're talking about, they're more comfortable. Mm. Now, for example, in a home that doesn't have all the features that you're talking about, yep. so thick insulation, double glazed windows, yep. north facing, that sort of thing, mm. homes that don't have that, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you have to do? Turn the air conditioner on or yep. turn the gas heater on or yep. turn some sort of heating on because mm. the thing has has cool down overnight Absolutely. to a point where it's no longer comfortable. Mm. In a sustainable home that, or in a, like a, a sustainable home that you're talking about, mm. you get up in the morning and it's still warm. That's right. Correct? Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that's the selling feature for, for these people. It, they are just more comfortable homes to live in. Definitely. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's the whole point of what, what's called passive. It's, it's like the, you don't have to do anything to the home. It's working for you to keep that sort of comfort level. Mm. you know, set for you. Yeah, it, it, it's working for you. Now, there's, there's a thing called solar mass or... Is okay, it, yeah, yep. Is it yep. thermal mass, sure. not solar mass, thermal mass. Yes. And it's a dense object, absorbs heat and gives off the heat over, over time. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Talk about that. Yeah, sure. So what we're talking about is, generally speaking, something to do with masonry. So whether it's brick, whether it's concrete, it's something like, say, a dense material that's able to absorb heat and then slowly release that thermal heat over time. Give me an idea of what you would 
installing a home that would act as a thermal mass. So what we're doing is we're doing concrete slabs to be able to absorb that heat, scan coming through like that. The, as the light from the sun comes through windows and stuff, that's going to heat up your floor, which is going to be able to help then slowly release that heat. But again, taking into consideration solar direction so that we're only ga- really gaining that heat during winter when we want the heat mm-hmm. and we're blocking the heat during summer when we don't want to gain that heat. Other things that can be done is say like building sort of rammed earth or a brick wall internally that's going to capture the sun coming through some of those openings. Mm-hmm. Is this a case for those old-fashioned fireplaces where, you know, you, you've got this big stone? Yeah. <laughs> Like it absorbs the heat and then keeps on giving off that heat over time. Yeah. And again, in in really well passive designed homes, you will have sort of, again, like this mass of, yeah, again, where there's rammed earth or brick or like, you know, stone like that, like a a nice feature that its intention is to gain that heat to then release over over time. The problem at the moment, which it works in one one aspect, but not another, is, is the double brick home because it's really good. It's got two real dense layers. We've got two brick layers. And so what during summer, it works really well in the first part of the day because it's, it stops a lot of that, that heat transfer coming directly into the house. Mm-hmm. But over the entirety of a day, you've got the first brick layer that's heating up and then that transfers and starts heating up the inner. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the day, when we've come home from work and we just want to we just want to like relax, you know, go to bed. Well, now you're in a double brick oven that's releasing both of those layers and it takes a really long time for that thermal mass to release that heat. So you end up cooking all night. So if you've ever experienced, you know, a real nice hot day and all you do is have your aircon, you know, cranking all night because you're just trying to keep cool. Well, that's, that's because <laughs> that's exactly what's happening is you're in an oven. Yeah. And WA is, we are this double. (laughs) We're an anomaly. (laughs) Let's talk about that for a minute. Since forever, like real estate agents that walk through a home and the first thing they do is they they tap on the wall. Some don't, but a lot do. Sure. And they still do that. A hundred percent. Because I'd almost say 90% of homes in Perth would have to be a double brick home now. David, I walked through a home down in, I think it was Beckenham. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. And uh, there was a, a friend was there. Yeah. And she was looking through the, the home, looking to, to buy it. First thing I did was. Really? And I said, did you realize it's not double brick? She goes, oh. oh my God, it's not double brick. Don't want it. Oh, wow. It was just like. <laughs> <laughs> Still that mentality to, to break through. Oh, well, and to be fair, it was a 19, it would have been a 19, probably 50s home. Yeah, fair enough. So, you know. Brick veneer homes of that vintage are even worse than double brick, as I understand it, because they weren't insulated. Absolutely. So, so you had that yep. oven from the outside that and, and it <sighs> goes just straight in. Yeah, it's just. Awful. And you know, I can I can totally appreciate that mentality because we're doing a renovation at the moment on a house in Bayswater, and that's exactly it's a 1950s, just post World War Two. It's mm. kind of just slapped it up kind of home and it's timber frame and you know as soon as we pulled out pulled off the cladding from the outside yet yeah, no insulation the 70 mil wall like you know this thing was just it would have been an ice box exact opposite of what we have now an oven so you know 
you can see the progression there. At this point in time, you had, you know, a lot of timber frame, you know, no insulation, termite problems, you know, would have had quite a bit of dodgy electrics going on back in the day with the cloth, you know, cloth conduits going over the cords. So it's like when people go, oh, but, you know, timber frame homes, don't they burn down, don't they get eaten by termites, you know, aren't they cold? It's like, well, yeah, they, they actually were in the 50s. Mm. But, you know, we're in 2020 now. So mm. how we build a timber frame home now versus then is like, you know, completely different. Mm. So it was, we kind of did this full circle now where it's like we, we had this product. It was a timber frame home in the 50s. What's better than that? Well, actually, yeah, you know, in all fairness, a double brick home is better than that in terms of, you know, being able to keep it a bit more regulated. It's a, it's a more solid construction. You don't have termite issues. So you, I can see how people went to that that type of construction. But again, we're not in the 80s anymore either. We're in the 2020 where we also realized, hey, we have this this kind of big issue looming. It's called, you know, global warming. It's, you know, we've got this big CO2 problem. So if you look at the energy it takes to even build a double brick home, so, you know, you're talking about the heat to, for the kilns for the bricks, right? Like massive heat signatures, massive energy consumption there. So talking about that, sorry to interrupt, timber-framed homes, they're sustainable. because You literally have a net. You you harvest the timber frame, (laughs) the timber, and 10 years later, same spot in the ground, up comes another home. Yeah. So you actually, by doing a timber frame home, you end up with a negative carbon offset. Whereas doing a double brick, you've, you know, it's, you'd crane a few tons of, of carbon. So that's obviously a massive reason why we're doing timber frame is it's what I was sort of saying before is sustainable has kind of two parts to it. You have this um, materials. Is it recyclable? Is it reusable? You know, timber can it be regrown. Then you got the other side, which is like, how are we able to offset CO2 emissions and sort of like that, that embodied energy? So there's sort of two big parts that we look at in terms of like selections for, for our homes, as well as how like construction methods for the home. And so, yeah, having going with trees, like you said, you can cut one down, you can also regrow it. But once trees cut, it still acts like a sponge it's still able to absorb carbon even though it's no longer a, a, like a physical tree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. With a timber frame home, you end up with a negative carbon offset. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's almost a no-brainer. So, let's address the, this issue about timber framed homes. Are people thinking that they're cold or they're... they're yeah, they're, an inferior know, construction method. Or, yeah. You know, they're going to fall down or something like that. Let's address the cold heat side of things. How do you how do you make sure that a timber framed home, whether that's a brick veneer mm. or like a full, you know, like framed home, yeah. framed home, how do you make the thermal performance of the home better than a double brick home? Sure, I'll touch on some passive principles there. So to be able to do that like very very effectively, what you'd do is you'd have a uh, thick insulation for your external perimeter walls. Yep. So something between like a 2.7 to R3. Mm-hmm. And then what you want to do is you need to really wrap these homes well. So whether that's like using a Proclima, Exasana, external wrap and like... What, what is an external wrap? Yeah, so like just typically just known as like sarking or right. builder's wrap. So yeah. It's got a, a shiny surface on... Not the- anymore. Well, I mean... Yeah, you still see that. And if you're seeing that, 
you need to ask your builder to stop using that because it's it's rubbish. I, and I mean, I have to also be honest, like I, I used that on many of builds prior, but as we continue to progress, mm-hmm. but also like products start to get better. If you don't have a wrap that's one, breathable, so allowing moisture to come outside to, well, you know, then we're looking at sort of moisture issues. But the other, the other thing is if you can't have a wrap that you can't tape all the joints and have what we'd call like air tightness, mm-hmm. then again, you, you're completely missing an opportunity there because mm-hmm. imagine- Is this like a Gore-Tex wrap? Yeah, it's actually, it's almost exactly that. Like, uh, the wrap that we use, uh, yeah, the Pro Climber. They ride on it, dry as a bone. So, so. Wow. You could, you could, and I've done this already. We've wrapped the house with it and started working on the inside while the outside was still like didn't have cladding on it because it was completely waterproof. And we just, we started working both sides of the walls at the same time. Just, just keep going. Wow. Um, so, you know, in terms of being able to actually keep the job going, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a positive. But think about your home. If you wrapped it in like a plastic bag and you had heat inside and can't escape, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of what you're trying to do with like with these wraps. The only caveat to that is if you're going to wrap your whole home, including your, your roof and everything, you're going to have to then have ways to be able to vent in and out. Mm-hmm. So that might be through sort of like a heat vent recovery unit because you, you need that fresh air exchange still. Yes. But to do that, then... You know, that's what we're talking about, the, the passive. It's like you're, you're keeping heat in mm-hmm. um, and you, because with homes that we have now, that's kind of the biggest problem or one of the big problems is that you lose like 60% just through your windows, like heating through your windows and through your roof and through like any other doors and stuff like that because they're just not sealed very well. Mm. And if you think that I'm not on point, if you've got a tiled house, like I've lived in a tiled house, I'd have a cup of water on the table next to me and in the morning just be covered in dust. Well, that dust is coming straight from your ceiling. That's, that's mm. why, because the, the things are sieve. So, yeah, trying, trying, going back to our houses or like how, uh, how you have a nice, thermally comfortable home, good insulation in the walls, wrapping it well, and then even adding like a, a batten cavity. So then having a cavity externally so there's airflow. Yeah, that's and, important, isn't it? Because it's yeah. the, it's the still air that of course the 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 air that is the insulation. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny enough. Yeah, it is really another barrier. But again, if you got that cavity and you got moisture coming, getting drawn outside from inside, then it's also allowed. It can dry and get whisked away, and air rises. So then that's creating sort of like convection through through the the cavity walls, which can sort of get rid of the heat that way. Which is again just the, that sort of passive principle. So then you, you also have a bit of a barrier. Another thing that passive uh, design tries to do is um, reduce thermal conductivity. So trying to not bring heat directly from outside to inside through like, you know, a singular material. Mm-hmm. So then just having barriers between multiple material surfaces to, to s- reduce or slow down the thermal conductivity going through the house. So that's another, that's another real key, key way to, to achieve that. And Coming back to existing homes, is there the ways to retrofit mm. these things? And yeah, and I, I'm just thinking. You know, you said 200 grand before, and I, I'm just thinking, wow. You know, this. But that's only because that's how expensive construction is now. Yes, yes. Like you know what I mean. But there are ways to retrofit these things. Sure, and the way that I would retrofit, mm-hmm. which would actually create 
an amazing home is I'd go and put a timber frame exterior wall around, like if you had a double brick yeah, and yeah, then yeah. did that, now you got what we call like a reverse brick veneer, which is like highly efficient. Yes. But because it's a bit expensive to do up front, but if you've already got the walls there, I'd go and do a timber frame around externally and again, wrap it properly. Mm-hmm. And then you're creating that barrier because you want a light skin. Yes. Outside because mm-hmm. then it will gain heat quicker. Mm-hmm but it releases heat quicker. Mm-hmm. But it's also taking the brunt of that that solar gain. Mm-hmm. So I'd do that. I'd go and replace, like retrofit all the windows. So I'd take the windows out and retrofit them with double glazed windows because, mm-hmm. again, like you're increasing your R value dramatically there and, again, sealing them really well. And the other thing I'd do is if you had a tile roof, I'd be getting rid of that straight away, <laughs> straight away. And, again, look at one, yeah, of, one of two things. Back, back in the day, tile roofs were... were they're still almost, pretty popular now. Yeah, they, they are. And they were almost a an upgrade a, or a, you know, like a status symbol yeah. in some ways. It was <laughs> especially those Bristol shiny Bristol uh, yeah, tile sure. roofs yeah. with, you know Again, it's like I can imagine you know, I can understand why, because before that you had those sort of old school galvanized sheets and you know, that wouldn't have said luxury to anyone. But again, it's it, you just all you're doing is creating a massive terracotta like clay oven. Yeah. And again, when I was living in one, you really notice that where the hip coming down the roof, like over over a wall, where that tile is real close to just your ceiling, Mm -hmm. like those rooms get real hot, Mm -hmm. real, I noticed they're really warm in those those rooms. Again, because you just got mass heat right there and it's just getting transferred into that room. Yeah. So I'd be getting- And and it absorbs that heat and keeps on- Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong, tin, tin, like, um, tin sheets still get really hot. You cook an egg on that on a hot day, no worries, but it also releases heat quickly. So I'd be doing one of two things is either ventilating that roof really well, mm. getting some like R6 bats in there, like insulation bats. So again, trying to reduce that, that heat gain. I just want to quickly jump in on the, the R6 bats mm. that you just spoke about. I have personal experience with. Okay, go. Look, I'm a massive fan of all this, all that we are talking about here. And I, I think that, you know, homes that are, are thermally efficient and sustainable, they are more comfortable. So I decided I'm going to replace the insulation that was in our ceiling. Mm. I think it would have been about an R1 or something. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, just the, the old stuff. The old, just... You know, I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to put R5 in there. I, I think it was going to Probably be. Probably would have been R4s. Uh, well, they came around and they said, well, we can, we give you a quote and we're going to put R4 in. Yeah. And I go, not good enough. I want our minimum R5. And they said, well, it's going to be this much extra for R5 and mm. it was substantially mm. more expensive. Yeah. And only a little bit more for R6. Yeah. And I went, let's go R6. Yeah. So out comes the old, in goes the new. And then you look up into the ceiling space and there's no ceiling space left <laughs> because the, those bats, they're really thick. Yeah, they are really they're thick. They're massive. Yeah. yeah. You're probably, they're about 300 mil or something like that. Oh, yeah, at least that. And so all the electricians that go up into the, the roof space hate me now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think our home is more comfortable as a result of doing that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you, it sort of retains that sort of, you've got that big doona. On, yep. on top, we still lose a lot of 
a lot of good quality air out through those. The old, we've got, you know, that lead light windows. Ah, yep. Yeah. They look lovely, but they leak air like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, I'm, I'm glad you, you noticed the difference because the sort of minimum standard at the moment for ceiling beds is like an R4. But for us, the minimum's R6 because the difference between R4 and R6 cost wise, like, it is more expensive, but it's not a huge expense when you're talking about the difference in like yeah, thermal benefit mm. for the house. So it's like, again, that's sort of our motto is just like building better homes. Like why do the minimum when you can do something that's a little bit better mm-hmm. and, and over the long run, you'd just be way, way better. Mm. So yeah, again, getting back to retrofitting an existing home, I'd do, be doing R6s in the ceiling. And I'd be getting rid of the tiles and either ventilating the roof space really well, or if you can, if the roof shape's not too difficult, again, I'd be putting like a pro mento wrap on it. So wrapping it up, wrap mm-hmm. that whole building up, and then be putting in a heat vent recovery unit to begin that air exchange. And uh, yeah, with a timber frame external, like you'd end up with such a great home. Again, swapping out the appliances, putting some solar panels on and swapping out for a heat pump, you'd end up with a all of a sudden, a crazy, impressive, energy-efficient home. Yeah, energy-efficient, so it's cheap to run, mm. despite it could be a big home, but mm. it's cheap to run. Yeah. And I come back to this, it's just more comfortable. Yeah. And there's some real benefits in, in that. I wanted to touch on something else there, Dave, um, in terms of like – I've actually forgotten what I was going to say. Well, I, I, got, I got a question for you. I'm not sure if many guests have questions for you. I like this. But obviously, you know, you've sold a lot of real estate. What I'm curious about is how many people actually think about, is this home an energy efficient home? And is that something that's on anyone's radar or if that's an important sort of box to be ticked when they're looking at buying a home? Or is it just, I just need to get in somewhere? Almost none. Yeah, okay. Almost none. Yeah, which is, it's run through the front door, check out the stainless steel appliances and the stone bench tops, fall in love with it, and then, okay, now we're going to pay for the high energy energy bill for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and, and, and it's and the mould issues and yeah. the, the yeah, all the leaky, all the... <laughs> all, all of the above, and which is a great segue because you've reminded me what I was going to talk to you about. There's a place not 400 metres from here it's literally just around the corner, an extension, second story extension. And I look at it and I go, okay, this home faces west. So the, the long boundary down the north, north boundary would be the ideal place yep. to put windows. Yep. What they've done is they put one window, which is a bathroom window mm-hmm. on the, the north and mm-hmm. this second story extension. Yep. And they've got West-facing and south-facing windows. <laughs> you couldn't choose worse places to put windows. Yeah, yeah. And especially big, you know, their, their picture windows. Yeah. I would put it to you that in the world of, of builders, you are a unicorn. That yeah, there's, there's, a, very, there's only a few of us. <laughs> there's, there's very few people who are talking. And I think there's a lot of people would go that – Sustainable homes are too expensive to build, but I, I think suspect that what you will say is 
you can do both. You can have a sustainable home and you can have a nice design. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Check out our designs. Um, we've been working with one of Australia's best sustainable architects to design our homes so that they are, you know, absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, of course, a sustainable home can be a beautiful home. In fact, I'll put it to you that they're probably better than what you see most other people putting up. You got to just remember how, how our industry really works. So, you got designers that are just pumping out floor plans and elevations and they're trying to make them look a little bit different to the last one. Mm. And they're just trying to work within the constraints of what bricks can do and, you know, what steel can do. And they're very boxy. You know, you got renderer going everywhere. But that's, 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 that's all they're trying to do is fit within council regulations. So, you know, they definitely put a lot of dampness on, on what we could really do. So you got to fit within those constraints. You got to fit in constraints of the block. You got to fit in constraints of people's budgets. But of course, then you've got to fit in constraints of like, how do we make this look nice? But, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, passive design is getting taught to these designers, because if it was, you wouldn't be seeing west-south facing windows. What I do in that situation is put a skillion on it, have highlight windows, so it's capturing that that north sun. I mean, I can understand that you're only going to have a bathroom window that's obscure because if you're at two-story, you're going to have visual issues over to your neighbours. But again, if you can put those windows up high, you get away with that with with your council regulations, and you're going to be able to get that north sun. And yeah, and again. We live in the north, we sleep yeah, in the south. Yeah, so, yeah. you and know. That, that, that would be as simple as well, could we have flipped the design so that yeah. the bathroom was yep. on the south of the home yep. and the, the living areas were on the north? And so, with the way we've designed our homes, that's, we're able to do that. Mm. So, I'm saying we really, ta- what we've taken into consideration is that you're not always going to be able to have a north facing block. That's just, that's just how it is. So, how do we create a home that's going to be able to work any which direction? And then being able to just flip, you know, certain aspects so that it's going to be able to be more comfortable. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's just the, a key, key part of it really is, is just knowing some of these real simple principles. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you're going to be, as a designer, you're going to be, all of a sudden be like, okay, well, there's, there's a few easy things I could do that make design any home better. And to the real estate agents that are listening to this and going, well, you know, the, what, what's the so what here? They talk to developers a lot mm. and, you know, the developers are going, well, how can I put the maximum number of units on this, yeah, on the site, this yep. land, you know, we'll, we'll make best use of it. And which is really to say, maximize the resale value. And I would say to them that resale value, part of that, that equation is being able to say to the buyers that come through or this is sustainably designed, so mm. your resale mm. in 10, 20 years' time is going to be much better than something where, you know, you've got south and west facing windows. You know, yeah, the, sure. The, the future buyers are going to be very, very savvy around this subject. Yeah, and I reckon there's, like, again, with that, there's no differentiator between that development and the next development other than maybe some cool features, right? Stainless steel appliances. Exactly what you're getting in it. So, yeah, I totally agree. And when there's a lack of supply with, you know, passive and sustainable homes here already, if you're able to provide that, I dare say you'd be able to sell that at a premium because 
well, my point is that we've already got people, we've got clients that are happy to pay that little bit extra to mm. build those homes to a better standard. Yeah, so, I, so there's going to be think- someone that wants to then buy that that's already or already existing. And if there's not much that's available, mm. well, supply meets demand, right? So mm. if the demand is there and the supply is low, well, then you're going to be able to charge a better, yeah. better premium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And despite that there's very few people that are saying, I want to buy a sustainable home, people who do want sustainable homes, people who are aware of the benefits of yeah. them, they are willing to pay a premium. That's right. No question in And my if you mind. could advertise it that way, you're yes. going to be able to get those people who are looking for that. But again, it's going to be pretty rare for you to find a sustainable home to even sell. Yeah. But if you could, I'd be advertising the life out of it because mm. there's people that are wanting that, but to buy it existing is almost like, you know, finding hen's teeth, right? So yeah, if, if you're able to be, as a real estate agent, able to push into that side of things, like even if it is just a, you know, meeting sort of like a six star energy rating, like I'd be selling that because that's better, better than a two or four star. And something that I've noticed is that over the last few years, people are doing like for, for sales of homes, people are a lot more interested in getting builders reports, you know, how's the state of this home? Well, I'd be adding in what's the energy rating of this home as well. So they're not getting just like what's the state, but what's the what's the energy rating? I think if it, real estates were able to start providing that to people, like I think then all of a sudden people would be more attuned to it, and they would be actually more expecting that that's a part of you know the information of this house. So yeah, that'd be I mean that'd be really awesome to start seeing real estate agents offering that information to. I th- I think we'll see it. Yeah, you reckon? Uh, but it won't be immediate. No, nah, fair enough. We're talking five, ten-year window. Yeah, um, yeah. But these conversations, there's a lot more of these conversations being had now. Yeah, okay. And I think it's going to change the way property is marketed mm. in five to ten I think it also open open everyone's eyes and probably concern a lot of people because if you – can you imagine if you're having every house on the market getting an energy rate and it's coming in like – you know, sub six, then people would just be like, oh my goodness. Like, but also that would be, I mean, I'd say a win on, on our part only because we're trying to be ahead of, ahead of where everyone else is at. I think it'd really just put the pressure on sort of a lot of those bigger builders to start offering better homes as well. Because if the, if that's what the market's wanting, then that's what they're going to have to, to try and try and get to. So yeah, look, it's it's kind of a quite an exciting time at the moment, mm. and happy to be at the front pushing pushing the the charge here. But yeah, Dave, I'm I'm just aware of time. All it's good. Uh, starting to uh, get away from us, and I've got to be. I really appreciate this conversation. I think we could have kept on going. For I reckon we're still good, mate. We might have Another. to do part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, for those who want to know more about you and your company, where can they get hold of you? And- What's the best way? Yeah, well, if you're listening to this, when's this getting put out? Don't ask me hard questions, <laughs> Well, we're going to be at the Homes Expo this weekend, but I'm not sure if it's going to be. On no, it won't be out <laughs> this weekend. Oh, good. So, look, you can find us online, either through Instagram, Facebook, or our website, uh, www.seconddawn.com.au. You can find us there, and you can check out our, our home designs, or, uh, yeah, you might see us out there building. Yeah. Well, for anyone that is uh, curious about this, I would say have a chat to Dave because he's a wealth of knowledge and, you know, I've, I've learned a lot today, Dave. And oh, that's awesome. I really appreciate your time. I'm glad you have. So uh, that's uh, 
That's a, a wrap for this episode of WA Property Q&A. Until next time, this has been Peter Fletcher. And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening.